This is Bam Electric Ghost, and we are live on my Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook channels with the safety word. And we're glad to have you guys on the video podcast. <laughs> guys, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's Monday for you. It's still Sunday for me. Yeah, it's it's um it's also the winter solstice today. So this is the the shortest day of the year, which would be the darkest. Yeah, we don't us. hit that. We don't hit that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> we're still going yeah. through the, the summer. Winter. Well, we're trying trying to get through things, but um, yeah, we're happy to, to be with you on the new video podcast. We've been doing this all year, and uh, we're glad to get everybody that's ever been on the audio version. And just to let everybody know, the audio version is still going to happen. You know, we still produce the Spotify and Apple from this. Um, but we are live now because that's the difference between the other show is we're actually live on my Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And we're, we've got, like, your brand-new song. We're going to queue it up. We've got the, the safety word with Run. And this is your official music video. We're actually going to play it, and then we'll go into the backside and talk about it and then talk about some other things with your band. Um, and so this, this hold tight, we're going to play this and then, um, we'll, be, we'll put you on mute and then we'll come back. Okay. Sounds good. Excellent. the safety ward with run and we're back so we can get back to the main angle how you guys doing you guys can hear me. i'm right. doing pretty good thanks yeah, yeah i did it right <laughs> <laughs> um so 
Yeah, that's what I like about that video. You know, can I kind of show my age, Rick? I'm a child of the 70s, so I was around when MTV first showed up. And yep. that's kind of like reminds me of like the early, like new wave, new romantic videos. That awesome. Yeah. From like the, the back in the day with like the cure and, mm. or even probably like, you know, more like Joy Division. And yeah, more, they were really simple and it had that sort of just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, the that, that had a lot of order videos were always like the ones I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I want to be a keyboard player, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, well, like, um, yeah, like, we're yeah, definitely yeah. fans. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really like yeah. that, yeah, that 80s, 90s sort of rage um, video clip look where it's just really simple and, you know, um, Lot, like just shot shot with sort of low budget and and that sort of thing and it's just yeah quite simplistic well, but, music, but powerful you know? yeah that's yeah. right yeah Is that, like there was a period where mtv started all these high concept they still bring these film directors in probably like yeah and shows up and then they have film directors doing movies mm -hmm. it was around yeah, the 90s little... yeah they really changed yeah. a lot then in like late 80s i think with the, the metal bands that started doing these real big yeah. um yeah, exactly. sets well, like yeah. an extreme like when they went and did their whole thing and they went like november rain or like okay yeah you set the piano yeah. on fire and that kind yeah, of thing like, well, what was i that mean one where, where he jumps off um uh like this big you like this ocean liner or something he had this, this huge <laughs> giant and then he starts swimming with dolphins you know yeah, he's, yeah that's when you know you're getting he went a bit over the top when the you're shark. swimming with dolphins yep. yeah, yeah he jumped the shark he jumped the dolphin you know yeah, that's that right. But look, we'd we'd probably be up for doing those kind of film clips if we had the budget for it. Oh yeah, but we're just we're just, just working with with what we've got, you know. So we <coughs> we um shot that ourselves and edited it ourselves and, mm. and did all that sort of thing, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, you. yeah. There's no other director. Who's the who's no. the woman? Who's the lady? Ah, that's a good question. Yeah, the, the lady. That's actually my wife. In real oh, life. I was wondering if that was real, a real relationship or is it like, you know, acting? Yeah, well, we, we were, um, you know, I think that there was naturally, mm. we obviously have a chemistry naturally. So the, she, you know, I was sort of just, it was very, very spare of the moment and we just sort of did it all on the day. So the, the, the acting there was very spontaneous and I like that because, you know, with, with acting, I think you can either really, you, there's different forms of it. I think you can be doing things on purpose or you can just be in the moment. And I yeah. think the purity of it was that she didn't have any acting experience. So there was just pure moments there, I felt, with it. And um, I think that that was the idea, just to get these pure shots, um, these moments. And everything wasn't planned. It was all, it was all just basically improvised. And we just improvised the whole clip like that, did, you know, did, did feel, a couple of takes. It, it fit the vibe mm. of the song, you know, it yeah. what I thought the song was about. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I always you know, interpret songs the way I, you know, everybody interprets the song a different way. But yeah. um, it just felt like it's, it, it felt a natural connection to what you were saying. Yes. Which is sometimes, you know, sometimes people go totally off kilter and do like Pink Floyd or something. You somebody on fire and you do, yeah, yeah. You do something, you do something odd. Okay, it worked yeah. out pretty well because um, they had a driving lesson earlier that day that didn't oh, go the no. best. I hope John doesn't mind me sharing, but they they um, I came around to their house where we shot the film clip and they were actually a little bit, it was a little bit tense. And um, Paola, yeah. who who John's wife, who had agreed to help do the video was almost not going to do it because she was a bit annoyed with John and his driving instructions, uh, the oh, lesson. But then I said, no, use, use this. You've got to use this, <laughs> this aggression and this energy for the, cause that's exactly what the, you know, the, the, the song's about, you know, yes. that sort of tension so in the relationship. So, 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 so. The, there was a tension there and, um, you gave the lesson and, and we put it, it's <laughs> not successful. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, and, and that's, and that's the thing I think in life, you're always, you're never going to be perfect. And because you, you're, it's, you don't have the script in front of you. You're, you're constantly just reacting or, um, you know, trying to put a situation forward, you know, trying to create something. And it's always, you're always in, 
in the air about things you don't know how things are going to go and you are going to have ups and downs and especially relationships i think they're, they're always a reflection of where you're at as a person and i think that it sort of fit the narrative of this song where we were you know we didn't have we disagreed and that created the tension that that ended up being on the the video clip there you could mm. you could sort of get that vibe there but it had that sort of essence there which um I think really it was synchronistic to the song. So yeah. it worked out well because we would have to yeah. do that anyway. But well, we I said like the it feel of it, like you got the simple kind of nature of it and then you kind of got the stream of consciousness or like, in terms of the acting, you did this kind of, mm. in terms of when I like to write music, I'm, I'm a big fan of being like into like, I'll just go down with my Moogs and I'll just do a bunch of you know, my rollings, just, just, just let the tape run and then find yeah. a group and then work on it, right? And I, yeah, well, that's how, um, how you guys the do. initial the initial song um, I've been writing Structured like sort of I, ideas for for songs during these um, things called splurges, um, and yeah, where you just it's like a stream of consciousness type thing, and um, yeah, sorry, my son's just opening the door. I'm just going to close that. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah, things like. Um, writing style because like today there's so many producers that are like on the grid and very tight on the grid and i'm kind of like yeah. like i said i'm a child of the 70s right so all my bands we started in the basement in the garage we had like a fostex recorder or a reel-to-reel and we just laid it down because that's like we didn't have yeah. a dog we didn't have garage band we didn't have anything we just like laid stuff yeah. down that's kind of like the, i continue to write in that way just and i i just like the way it produces Material. Yeah, I'm I'm getting into um trying to not have everything too quantized and playing in a lot of the beats on on like a touchpad type thing. Mm-hmm. Um which is pretty cool. And and yeah, not um you're always tempted to go in and fix up notes and try and make yeah. things perfect. But some of the yeah. beauty in things is when there's things that are just slightly off by milliseconds and so it has more of a natural vibe and swing to it. Yeah. That's the one definitely. thing I do miss about like being on my task cam and my Fostec <clears throat> is because, you know, I had to play it till I got it. I, mean, I might have a click track, but I mean, I had to play it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing like that. You have to, and I was going to say as well, I record all my demos now on an 8-track, cool. you know, just you a Zoom 8-track. It's an R8, which is really good. They're, like, really small and stuff. And, um, and yeah, basically it's good because you, I know that vibe where you have to just, I like to hit, record and record it all the way through you know and and then you get the real feel and you get this momentum as well building up building up building up building up to the end the grid kind of takes me off in that then you're you're doing so many bars at a time like like in little tiny narrow swaps right trying to get them perfect where Hmm. like i like the old school of like you know thinking about like bob dylan in the band doing the basement tapes right or doing big pink they were in the basement. And they run in through. I, mean, I have all the demos. I have all the tapes of that stuff, right? Oh, wow. and, and the cool thing about that stuff was like they would just run through something, and they'd have maybe mm. like twenty versions of it, right? But each one they'd run through, and then some of them they're like, "Oh, we'll change the key, change this." Yeah, try some that, different right? different vibes on them, there. Yeah, you're hearing them work it out, and I'm like, mm. that is like that's what I like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, cool. that's that's when you have all the time to you know focus on music. You can actually just do twenty or thirty versions. I think the Beatles were really famous for that as well. They just had all these different. A lot of bands, especially around that time, they always had alternate versions, yeah. you know, and lots of takes because I just did so many takes. And obviously, they explored in those takes to get the song where it had to be. Even like, Wait, yeah, we're we're a little bit different in the fact that with vocals, but particularly that we, we go into a recording studio, Invention Studio in Footscray, just a plug there, uh, who we love working with, with a guy called Ryan, who um, John's worked with for years, but he's um, an unofficial member of the band. We always record with him. Yeah, and he, he gives us a, a, a good rate and stuff, but it is always like we're on the clock and also we're on a time fraction thing. So there's not so much room to experiment once we're yeah. in the studio. 
Yeah, it's, so it's very got frantic. Like, you just got to use every. Yeah, we've only got three hours minute. to get a whole song done. Yeah, Otherwise, we've got to wait a week, and our deadlines are out, and all that sort of stuff. So what we're doing now is, yeah, we'll demo the stuff either in my studio or John's studio, and have it pretty much ready to go. That's where we do our experimentation. But then once we're in the studio, we we try and yeah stick to the script. Occasionally, inspiration happens, and we want to try and add a you know. So eight part choir or something does your yeah. producer ever take what you have and like you had the plan to just do it right and then somebody mm. comes and says i'll oh, move this to this move that yeah he he definitely adds adds some of um his ideas in there and stuff where he'll um yeah maybe play around with some structure or have suggestions and things like that um yeah but he doesn't it's, 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 it's to the point where it like radically makes it so you know you gotta spend double the time yeah. No, no, no. We, no. we usually yeah. we usually stick. It's pretty much what we record. We end up going yeah. there. It's I think we're all on the same page usually. Okay. Um, you don't have to so, say, "Oh, like I'm going to just totally rip the thing apart." No, no. It's, it's it never happens like that. It's mm. always pretty much. He's he's very respectful in the sense that he lets us be true to the song, and I think the songs once we present them mm. to him, they make sense anyway. Um, as yeah you know, when, when we're doing it. So we're all pretty much on the same page and we don't really have that. The The songs pretty much just stay the same. And, have you um, ever wanted to work with a guy like, like a Brian Eno or like, 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 a, like if you think about what happened with um, Wilco and their famous album um, where they, they did this whole thing where they massively deconstructed their original demos. Right, and they, they actually ripped the whole thing apart. The Yankee Hotel mm -hmm. Foxtrot, right? They took everything they did and they totally deconstructed it, and they took months to do it. Mm. Yeah, that would be fun if you had the time and the budget. Like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it I could think, be I fun to be, go back yeah. and look at look at yeah early demos and and you know do them in a big studio way at some point. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, but, um, some something like that as well. It's it would be interesting to, um, you know, I've always liked the idea because it is a bit, yeah. It's it's your vision and, and what you are. I'm pretty very certain about cert, certain things. I just won't compromise. I won't mm -hmm. let it change it because that's it's, why you're indie. That's why you do your, your own thing. I've, right? I've, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. and I've got this very strong thing that because I hear the music and how it sounds and everything in my head i don't know how it works but i just hear it and you can't it's almost as if like you're cursing yourself if you go away from what is being delivered to you and you're yeah. being disrespectful to that so so it's like um if i had if for instance if we had a, a you know sort of like um loose based songs where oh, we'll just put this and put that then it then it becomes you're, you're not attached to it and then you know you're working with someone like that you're automatically in the mind frame mm -hmm. to go into this outer stellar, you know, creative hmm. process the, with them. I think that's interesting what you're saying because um, Hendrix had this statement one one time, um, and I guess one of his um, his siblings, like his brother, said that Hendrix was playing like on a Chitlin circuit with like the Isley Brothers and Little Richard. Yeah, and he used to get in trouble because you know he's he, you know he's Hendrix, right? He's yeah. he's hard to be a backup guy when you're Hendrix, right? So Hendrix would say that something came to him from out in the cosmos and he'd go and like not play the song. He'd go and play his own thing, right? So he's with the Isley brothers, supposed to be playing their song. And then this thing would come in and he said, well, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it because I didn't want to lose it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he, it, it, fair he, enough. He, yeah. He'd come in, and then they would say, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I, <laughs> I couldn't lose that. I got to put it down on tape, but it's our tape. <laughs> yeah, and he, they would get fired. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that automatic writing. It just sort of it just comes straight away, and you know I always think the song's already there in in it. You know, in the etheric plane. You know, in 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 not the physical world, but in another world, I guess the song's already there, and they just need to yeah, come you're, through. You're tapping into it. It's like kind of like the poetic idea of the muse, right? A lot of yes. poets had this idea, right? Tennyson and Wordsworth. All those guys were like, you know, like even to get into like um... yeah, the romanticism. It is, it, it is a romanticism of nature, and mm. and it's never ending. I think you know, I always say it's it's because you're you're always tapping into it. 
there's always inspiration there to come through. So it's never ending. It's just what comes out next. What's the next thing that's going to come? What happens yeah, I, to it? And I think you, Simon does it really well also. He just gets yeah, these songs. In terms of like when you're like you're channeling what's out there. Like I think every musician has like like a reference memory of everything they ever heard, right? And then mm. everything mm. that they've actually learned how to play, right? And then when you go to write something, being a musician, like you're, you're an artist, right? So you're creative. You know what's going to work. and But you might not know, mm. you might not have been, have planned it out, but it, like you have mm. a sense that it just starts to fall together. To me, I like I tend to yeah. have things, like I have a general idea, but then when I hit my Moog or something, I'll let the Moog like talk to me. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to say before when my son interrupted me is um, I'm doing these splurging things where I just let the music form in the moment and I'll go from having a blank canvas to pretty much a whole song within an hour or an hour and a half and it's all done in that one session while you're vibing on that that idea that you're laying down and that there's no preconceived idea of like, oh, I'm going to write a house song, I'm going to write a chill wave song. It just I just let the music take me wherever it naturally does and I'm and I'm ready to pick up on little things. So if I am experimenting, you know, through some um, soft synths or listening to some sounds, like I just yeah, pick up on something and go, oh, I can do this or I can yeah. do that. But um, just be willing to go in any direction with the song rather than having some preconceived idea of what I should be doing. So I'm just very um, attuned and alert to ideas that may be forming and going off in any direction that it might happen. Yeah. Um, but also in what we were saying before, when, when we collaborate with other artists, we're a lot more ready to experiment. So we've, we've um, got about five collabs happening at the moment. And when it's not our own music and it's collaboration, we're a lot more um, able to um, let other people have a bit of a say in how the, the songs are structured or things like that. When So when we collab, we sort of just open ourselves up to more experimentation. Guessing yeah. Guesting on somebody else's work or they guessed it on your work? We do a bit of both. So um, at the moment in... Um, August, we've got a song called Perfect Diamonds coming out that we um, collaborated with with Zach Vortex, who's a synthwave artist. Um, so he sent us an initial song idea and then we um, wrote some lyrics and added a few synths and guitars and stuff like that. So that was a fairly straight collaboration. And then we're going to be um, getting a few um, bands to remix it as well. So we've got the um, Last Concord, uh, Echo, who have worked with before, Ash Knight, and Spaceman 1981, all doing remixes for that song. Yeah. Because of like what happened with COVID, have you found that, that doing all these like collabs or features or working with the artists, has that been something that has been like uh, kept yeah. you going? Or have you been focused more on your own work? Um, no, we're always looking for interesting collabs that we can do because, you know, it's, it's just fun to – they sort of naturally pop up just from when you're out on social media and you're just talking with people or you, you listen to what people are doing. I just send people a quick um, DM or a shout-out and or they, they do it to us. So we've actually got um, another collab lined up with an artist called Valoramus in Germany. Uh, so that will be fun. And that, you know, they just come from just having chats in DMs on social media and just liking each other's stuff and saying, hey, let's let's do this. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been doing, I actually did a couple of weird collabs, but not weird. But I, um, you know, all the stuff I do is very experimental. But I started yeah. as a poet and then I actually did a collab with a spoken word artist out of Canada where I'm. Um, oh, yeah normally didn't do any kind of music just totally spoken word but then you know mm -hmm. i interviewed her on the podcast and then we ended up doing a, 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 like a three-song ep um yeah that sounds great yeah we're actually um we're doing it um i've been writing i'm being on a, i'll explain it just briefly i've been writing a hundred instrumental lo-fi tracks in 10 weeks has been my mission at the moment so I'm actually up to week seven. So I've just finished my 70th um, experimental lo-fi instrumental track. And from these, I've been sort of seeing if some producers are interested in 
writing some stuff um, for us. So, I've, I've, so there's an artist called Spectoral who we've worked with last year. He's one of our favourite producers mm. in Melbourne here. So he's actually he's taken three of the songs that I've written and he's going to do some vocals and stuff to it. And then, um, yeah, John's going to add some vocals and guitars and stuff. This is the first time John's finding this out, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. there's a, a spectoral collab on the horizon. There you That's go. Uh, quite. You might have to mute John's mic there. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. People have got to uh, make their coffee and get to work and that kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I muted yeah. him for a second if that's what you should do. Um, <laughs> what's interesting is yeah. when you talk about the 70 songs, I, I don't mm. know if you, my whole history is I pretty much write a song a day. That's that's what I'm doing now. And it becomes like going to the gym, but for a musician, like you get into that process of it's just something that's naturally easy for you to do. It's easier yeah. for me to now write a song every day than to not write a song every day. So I went from someone that may write a song every month or every two months, you know, only when the mood strikes you. And I, and that's something I really wanted to break because it's it's if you want it to be like your main job or, you know, your, your thing that you're doing, you can't just write. When you're in the mood or you have inspiration, you have you to write push through the... Yeah, you have to, It's and it's strengthened me as a producer and just really um, refined my process. And now that I can take, like, the idea of a song into a fully-fledged, finished, you know, arrangement, you know, within a couple of hours rather than spending, you know, months and months on it and tweaking a hi-hat to within an inch of its life and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's just really about, yeah, being in the moment and getting things done and committing faster to things and just doing what's sort of natural for the song in the moment. Do you think because of the pandemic, well, I've been talking to bands for the last year and a half, right? And what I noticed is a lot of bands, because they, they couldn't tour, they mm. actually did record a lot more. They, they yeah, there's going to be a lot of music coming out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost every <laughs> Which person is great. I've, yeah. I've talked to, they've actually learned how to play another instrument, learn how to become more of a producer, learn how yeah. to do more engineering. Um, than mm -hmm. they ever had to because maybe they couldn't get to the studio. Um, so it just seems, seems like this weird thing. I'm a bedroom producer, right? So my, my whole yeah. setup is in my bedroom. Like So my modes are like right by my bed. So I pretty much, yeah. that's why every day I play because like if I feel like it, I just like mm -hmm. jump on my mode. And, and yeah. like you said, it's like I let my analog sense kind of talk to me. And what I yeah. found over the years the reason I kind of love analog, not because of some trend, I've been using them for like 15 years, but um, it, it's just they, they talk to you like a member of the band, right? Yes. So I treat my Moog yeah. like, like with respect and I say, well, you know, it has something to say to me and I let it tell me that and then I mm. let it take me where I want to go. And the weird thing is like, I, I don't know if people know this, but Sun Ra, the American jazz band, they got one of the first Moogs back in the 50s. They got one of the first ones, Robert Moog gave them one. And yeah. you know, that kind of was from this philosophy of just let it talk to you, like sunrise. And I, I always took that to heart. Mm. It's like, yeah, just let the thing, let it breathe and talk to you. If you let it do that, it like I get like endless inspiration because the thing, like it doesn't stop giving you different ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you can have the exact same um, setup, but each day it'll, something totally different will, will come to you. And the other thing that, that I'm really trying to, to um, get into is um, not having too much emotion when I write music, like, because if you get too excited about something, that can actually hinder you from finishing the piece uh, as well. So it's almost like I'm just got a process that I go through and then I think about it later. Like, so I write a song, mix it down, sort of leave it for a week, come back and listen to it. Then you can listen to it almost unbiasedly and just then you can decide if it's any good or not. Um, and also some days inspiration might not be there, but to not have emotion about that either, just finish the song, mix it down, move on not get discouraged, just come back the next day and you might have, you know, might be doing something, you know, genius then, but yeah. Because um, before um, I might, you know, you might have a writing session and nothing really good happens and then you might be depressed about that for a week and you're like, oh, I can't write any, I can't come up with anything. But now I'm just like, oh, it's not happening today, that's cool. 
come back tomorrow and it'll be there, you know. Well, the one thing I, I was watching this documentary with Peter Gabriel, right? And he does all these weird, strange things. He's a very experimental guy, right? But he was able to hit the pop tune sometimes. But yeah. one of the things he was doing, he was talking about how he does all these shadow vocals. And they're like mm -hmm. very, very low. Or they might be actually like the original demo, right? And then he yeah. decided, well, I don't like it, but I'm going to keep it. And then drop it really, really, really low, right? And then over sing over it. And then just mm -hmm. keep on layering it. And he did stuff like the same kind of idea with the drums. You take the drums and then have a guy and take the analog tape of a bunch of drums and then cut it up and mix it up in totally different order than what it was played. Very progressive, strange kind of Pink Floydish stuff. But I, yeah, I we, we like that idea of, of being very experimental, but then occasionally, like with the song that we just heard at the beginning of this, going really far into the pop sort of realm. But, mm -hmm. you know, even though that song may have started very experimentally, you know, with abstract sounds and stuff like that, once you put in a pop vocal, you can you can make something. And it's just an interesting way of, of approaching things. But, yeah, not everything that we write is going to be that poppy, but... You know, it's interesting to sort of go there occasionally and have a, you know, a three-minute, you know, pop yeah. song that's written, um, structured very much like a radio-friendly single. Well, and then we might go to something that's a 10-minute noise jam in our next thing that we do. Yeah. You know? we, we also, as, as you mentioned earlier with um, Peter Gabriel just having the sort of ghost sounds, we've done, we've also experimented and recorded songs like that as well where we'll have like sort of hidden guitars and if you listen closely enough, you'll hear it. You know, you can hear it all vocals or something like that that are really low in there and, mm. um, you know, just meld it all together. But, yeah, if, if you listen close enough, you can hear it. And I like that concept of being able to create sounds within the song that then the listener can go and find Uncovered. later on that are just hidden in there, but they'll realise, oh, shit, there's a whole other, like, little mini like song in this Pepper song. Stuff. You know, it's going to be the George Martin production that, that kind of started the whole idea of albums, right? And I actually saw this documentary mm -hmm. where he was saying that a lot of those ideas came from the fact that he used to produce Peter Sellers' comedy records. And Peter Sellers' comedy records had orchestras, backward tape loops, all kinds of special effects, mm -hmm. right? And so he, the Beatles actually liked the Peter Sellers' comedy records. So when they met George Martin, they started to talk about those ideas that became Sgt. Pepper, out of their love of the work he had done on the comedy records, which had all this non-traditional pop music production stuff, um, because it was actually more elaborate hmm. than what was going on in the pop music. So he took a lot of those elaborate ideas and they became the standard practices of how albums are get done in you know in the seven, late 60s and 70s. But um I thought that yeah. was very interesting because like I was like, where did that come from? And to actually hmm. hear him talk about like, okay, well, here's the genesis of why that happened and i thought that was you know as a producer i was like wow that's pretty cool I, that I is cool <laughs> i I'm, I'm missing the that um albums a lot at the moment actually I'd like because at the moment i mean it's all about the single and like yeah particularly um like this the generations now that like they want their songs to be two minutes long and they just what want you singles you know people don't have attention spans at all anymore um nat naturally i like you know about a six to eight minute song where it has yeah, time to sort of time. breathe and have breakdowns and go in different directions and even have two little you know get out the barn <laughs> yeah I, I try and write two minute songs and they just feel like throwaways they don't it doesn't it feel like, like enough time warmed up and then i shut it down yeah, yeah like, it feels when i got warmed up then you tell me to shut it down okay it I feels like there's so the, much the, more you can say, but there is an though. art. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there I is an art. You can really expand and sound, <laughs> and it's weird because, you know, you you can make a two-minute song sound like it goes a lot longer, and you can make an eight-minute song sound like a two-minute song if it's yeah, done yeah, right, yeah, progressively. Yeah, right. I think. I mean, like yeah, if yeah. you're in in the art of the two-minute song, you could have a bunch of little micro, you know, mini snippets. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you just, just hit everything. Just like, you know, like as, as if it was um, uh, Hotel California, right? Or as, or as if it was some kind of um, Pete Townsend part of Quadrophenia. Right? You could actually take something yeah. and make, make it like a yes song, have multiple parts and be shorter, a shorter yeah. suite. I, yeah, I, that's I, right. I have, have a six-minute song in three parts or something. Yeah. yeah. Release it like that. 
Yeah, that's I'm a, my kind. Of, well, I'm I'm a big rock opera guy. You know, I, I kind of yeah. like you know Tommy Quadrophenia, you know, The Wall. You know, that stuff is kind of yeah. in my DNA as as a producer. It's like what I like to go to. And though I know this world, everybody wants the one minute fifty second song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it, and you got to be on a playlist with like a bunch of other people. But the whole thing is like like I grew up as like a child in the seventies, right? And all my records were on eight track or vinyl. So yeah. I had to listen to the whole thing, and I wanted yeah, to you can see. the whole thing. And hmm. well, I think I the thing I like today is the resurgence of vinyl. Because yes, it's, yeah, it's coming back really strongly. Yeah, I think the resurgence of vinyl. So if you're an artist like yourselves, right, hmm. you've got bigger songs, right? You got songs to go yeah. six, eight minutes. Then if you if you can use the vinyl format at a micro mm-hmm. level, right, you don't have to print off a lot of them, right? But you could actually. Yeah you know satisfy the hardcore fan that likes that mm. want to listen to that and actually wants the experience of touching the vinyl seeing the art yeah we definitely want to uh look at doing some physical type things sometime in the next year we're sort of um build, building up our fan base a bit first before we you know invest in something like that um we also like the idea of, of cassettes like as a collector's yeah item because they're, they're something like you can get the digital download or usb but you also get the cassette and it's something that you know may be a one of 100 and they're like you know mm-hmm. you can have something about them that are a bit unique or one-off yeah so it yeah, gives um <laughs> yeah and it gives people something to collect which is really cool as well yeah there the, the definitely is something very special about holding physical music and I think it also gives, it holds, not only you're holding a physical piece, but it also has a value to you because this, you know, physical object contains, you know, a song. It contains everything, you know, it contains that, that whole album, whatever. And, and it is an actual experience to sit down and put an album on and, you know, physically do it. And, and it, I think it creates more of a value and more of an experience in when you first put an album on. And I used to love the fact that, you know, obviously, yeah. Before, before you could stream songs and that, you you would have to go and buy a physical album. It was a journey. It wasn't like you just tap your phone and you listen to it straight away. There's, it's just, yeah. it's lost that essence. It's like you would yeah, have to I mean, wait for that album way. to come out. You would go to the store that has it. Some stores, you know, especially if they were more peculiar, you know, like yeah. indie bands or something. You'd have that to no order it like, from find. Yeah, you'd have to the real indie record store, right? Because I, I'm hmm. a, I was a big fan of like, um like uh sub pop right i was really yeah. big fan of like um like irs records that had the original rem on it right so yeah. if when rem was first out you could it was very hard to find a record because they were on irs and it wasn't in every store yeah. so i had to actually take my bicycle and ride around to all these different record shops trying to find yeah, it was a journey trying it was to just find it. You know, yeah and then when i found it i was like oh i found it and i was like all so psyched I, I yeah, and then you know you'd go home, you know, and there's get set yourself up for the mood, you know. So and yeah. then sit down, and then it was an event, and yeah, I think it's sad because and I'm like, I got it, I I got the reckoning because I had murmur, and then I got the mm. reckoning, and I'm like, I actually was a big fan, and when I couldn't actually understand what Michael Stipe was saying. Right. Yeah. I actually like. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes video. like when uh, listening to lyrics. Uh, in different languages, or or when the um, yeah, you're not quite sure what the um, singer's like, saying, and you can I almost like the, write um, your own it, lyrics. Um, the end of the world, it's the end of the world, and we know it. that song. I don't know if it's called that, but yeah, it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, he was just so he's just spitting it all yeah, out. Early and... REM, it's even more. It's very yeah. murky. The mix is so murky. You really? catch a word here and there, but it was like the nice. thing about it, it was like this melody with the Rickenbacker guitars, right? These twelve string mm. guitars. And it had mm. this melody to it. I was like, it didn't really matter. It was kind of like it was just very musical. And, mm. I, and it sounded different than anything else what was going on. It wasn't punk. It was like a post-punk kind of like mixing of, of this birds type of sound with this mm-hmm. kind of southern mysticism, that wow. this weird southern mysticism about the South, but it's these weird stories that didn't really make. There's a new allegory, new stuff. It, didn't make, <laughs> it was like all this weird stuff that Stipe was coming up with. That wasn't really, it was a mixture of like history and then fake, you know, mess, you know, this, this weird stuff that he was creating this scene. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's, that's cool. He's creating like a Van Morrison idea, right? Because this weird mysticism in the I South. Want, American I was, South. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was going to say, I wonder if there are actually bands 
now that refuse to put their music digitally on digital platforms and just keep oh, it on vinyl funny. and keep it on on cassettes some, and you I can't some bands in nashville um and like jack white is a big purveyor of doing vinyl yeah. uh, and he's in nashville yeah. with his third band third man records is totally vinyl and and he has like he has dude does have acts on that label they're totally vinyl mm. because that's his whole thing he, he that's yeah. they don't go totally, yeah that's he's great. Yeah, I know there's a lot of bands that don't put their stuff on Spotify and it's like, so you have to, yeah. have yeah. to buy it on other platforms or you have to buy a physical, physical thing as well. Yeah. Um, well, I think, yeah. I mean, I understand. I look at Spotify and stuff like the radio. It's kind of like, yeah. Gotta get it yeah. Like, so I can talk yeah. to you guys with you. But, um, you know, because I yeah. find out about bands because of the, the streaming. But like when I go to buy music, mm. I, I buy the vinyl, you know, I buy the yeah. tape. I'd yeah, well, some some people only put some of their songs on on Spotify or things like that. So it's it's a bit like if you like that, then you've got to go and mm. yeah, get get the get get the get the, um, the whole album. But they use that just as a yeah promotional tool, which is yeah. you know how how I see it a bit as well. But I mean we, we've we've got fifty three tracks up on Spotify now through through <laughs> working on all of our collabs and stuff like that, which yeah. is. Which it's actually four hours and seventeen minutes of music we've got up on Spotify now, which is pretty, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like, I'm I'm an insane guy. I, mean, I got like three thousand songs. I really yeah. have like four hundred in circulation. But um, that's great. But but the day I've yeah. been writing since I was like sixteen. I'm fifty three. Mm. So, yeah. But they, yeah, mo- most most of those came from yeah last year when we started doing our yeah remix project. So. So a lot of them, yeah, remixes are on there. Um, but speaking of remixes, this is a good segue. The song that we listened to to uh, run just before at the start of this, um, in the 16th of July, Friday 16th of July, we've got a uh, EP coming out, which is uh, the Run Remix EP. So we've got um, Rotodop Snye, who's done a really good remix of that, Um Yuri Kim, who remixed um, Blue Oceans recently, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, has done done the thing. And who else have we got? Um, the Monkey Noughts and also Increment. So we've got, yeah, four quite different versions of Run coming out, um, yeah, on the Friday the 16th of July. So we're uh, that, that, excited about that one. There, yeah. there was a period back in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Where um, a lot of artists used to have these remixes, right? I mean, remixes, yeah. Yeah, the seven inch, you know, to get these EPs. Mm. Like, I'm a big Prince head, right? So, Prince, when he put out like Signed It at Times, he had all these extra little double singles and EPs. Yeah, I like yeah, how long, he did that. Extended yeah. versions as well. Extended so. versions and remixes, mm. and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah. I never really was into that, but I was a yeah. Prince kid. So, then if Prince did it, then I, I buy it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I do see that, yeah. like, you know, that it was a big thing. And it, well, it seems to be still mm. a big thing. There's a lot of producers that like to go at, at different things and come out. Yeah, with we, we like doing um, extended versions of, of songs. We've got a couple of songs where we have released the eight, ten-minute version, and then we've also done the three-minute, you know, chopped it up. We've butchered it. We're like, ah, yeah. my baby. But, um, yeah, I but, you know. But, EDM version, you know. <laughs> yeah, or even just our original, like how if we weren't, you know, if no one was telling us there was, you know, you can't play a 10-minute song on the radio or anything like that. <laughs> like just our original artistic vision, it, you know, we'll release that. And it may, may get half the amount of plays as the um, three-minute radio edit will get because, you know, people don't look at the song and they go, oh, 10-minute version, 3-minute version. If they don't know you very well, they're going to just listen to the 3-minute version. And also if people are adding a song to their playlist, they're going to go for the 3-minute version unless they're a huge fan or a purist. Yeah. yeah. I'm naturally really drawn to long versions of songs, you know. I always feel you get (laughs) more bang for your buck, you know, like you you pay for a song and then you get this like 8-minute song as opposed to paying for like a 2-minute song. You yeah. know, just as a kid, I used to get see Parliament Funkadelic, right? So if you go see oh, wow. Parliament Funkadelic, right, or you go see mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead, or you see the Almonds, right? Mm. I came from a time where the songs were like eight, ten minutes. Right? Yeah, that, that's like the norm, you know. So my generation, mm. you know, like a lot of us, you know, that the guys that we went to go see the Who, right? Mm. The Who, almost all their songs are like part of rock operas, and they're yeah. part of like these big sets. 
that go long, you know, and I kind of have the idea that, you know, I like punk. I like the clash. I like the fact mm. when they came, they shortened it and they did this stuff, but then even the clash yeah. ended up making longer songs because yeah. like, they evolved and got the Sandinista. Once you get on, we Sandinista, find, um, you have like six because we have we play using ableton in loops and things like that so we don't have a preconceived um idea of how the songs go when we play live that we can extend and um uh, yeah, have really long long, long jams and things like that but That's when cool. we're when we're recording our our things like uh recording our sets and we go oh wow that was really amazing we have a look at how long it is and we're like oh man that was 15 minutes and we're like oh <laughs> and so we're always a bit conscious when we play live we're like yeah we're gonna play that one but you know let's let's try you know try and shorten it but you know sometimes it's just natural to, to make the song like, go yeah, that long 10, 12 13 minutes it does and it's true but it yeah. doesn't feel that way because you you know all these interesting yeah it feels like about jamming, three four minutes but you know yeah. you're jamming in sections <laughs> you're extending other sections you know and it just mm it creates this nice momentum and it, it all works because it's happening naturally and you can get away with it in, in a live way. When you play live, do you feel like you can go longer? Oh yeah. Is being more like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes we do. Yeah. We just try not to have like, but it's more because um, there's might be another band that's coming on after you and you're more that's worried true. about the time, uh, yeah. unless you're playing last, which sometimes we do. And there's no, you know, you can play for as long as you like, you know, yeah. if you're headlining yeah. the show, you can, you can do Whatever yeah. 15 minute jams. It's, it's, and all that it's, it's so but, much fun. But when you've got yeah, a sound engineer, who's like, <laughs> pointing at his watch and, and you're halfway through a song and you're like, oh, we haven't even got to the climax yet, you know. Um, yeah. Or we'll it's, also it's... organize a set. Like we'll say, okay, you know, mm. let's do the 10-minute version and give ourselves, you know, that leeway with this song, mm. you know, and let's only maybe only play like five or six songs in a set and, you know, some of them might be 10 minutes and, mm. um, you know, it takes up time. But it's great because when we are playing those songs, you know, I'm always like talking. Me and Simon are talking to each other while we're playing live. We're like, let's 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 hang on to this for a bit more, and let's you know, yeah. we're just creating it as we're going, mm. which is really yeah, good. Yeah, EDM, EDM, and trance, right? They they those DJs they go on, they go long. You know, it's kind of mm. like reminds me back in the day mm. when we had the the vinyl DJs in New York City. They yeah, had these big long jams like you know Planet Rock. You know, going like twenty minutes. You know, it's like yeah, there, there some of the original hip hop. You go listen to it, but they were like. It was like progressive rock. I mean, it was like a it was like a mm. yes album, like a twenty minute track. Yeah. yeah. Well, the big big part of our music is we do want people to get into that sort of trance and that that euphoria, which you can only really do when you have an extended sort of repeated yeah. thing that that's happening, you know, or or a long song that allows you time to sort of get into that yeah, headspace, you know. Um, yeah. So that's that that's yeah definitely a big part of what we like to do, particularly live. Yeah. It seems that the good. one thing that's interesting, like rock music has gone away from like concept albums, but like in the hip hop genre, mm. it's very likely that people will actually listen to a whole project. They actually mm. get like a Kendrick Lamar mm. and listen to the whole album. A time yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible. They do Igor, these really good. Yeah. Like yes. Igor, like that's a whole long concept. But, you know, Kendrick Lamar, you know, that his albums are concept yeah. albums. And you basically do listen to them all the way through. It just seems like it's gone from the rock holding the banner of that to like yeah. other genres doing it, like EDM and hip hop are doing it. But rock yeah. has gone away from it, except in the indie world where there are bands that are still trying to be like like a Mogwai. Mogwai still does Mogwai. Like Mogwai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love yeah, those they, guys. They they, they yeah. do like these big long yes type of things. You know, mm. they, they yeah. like like Genesis. Um, and yeah, I think bands that were established sort of before everything changed because they're definitely from the old school. They have fans that you know appreciate the album and and the long and the concepts and that sort of thing. So if, if early band thousands sort of, as well, there was there was yeah, if bands made it before, they um, yeah, they can keep doing that sort of thing and they've got the fan base. Whereas if there's a new a new band or someone sort of trying to cut through, it'll be harder for people to um, connect with them wanting to do a longer project. Yeah, that that's how I see it in this one. Um, we're we're very excited to play your um, festival coming up. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. I'm going to have to go soon because I've got to get to work. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's coming up yeah. nearly to eight o'clock here. Yeah, we usually but, only go like uh, sixty minutes, so we only got like maybe ten minutes left or less. But yeah, yeah, one, that's cool. That's cool. One, yep. one thing we like to do is like since we started this whole podcast thing back in 2018, and mm. we were a producer, right? We're a bedroom producer, and we like decided that we'll take some of the time that we normally like to record and actually interview bands that we or artists that we're into. And that sure. journey has brought us to this point where we said, hey, why don't we take advantage of the fact that bands can't play live in a lot of places and, mm. and ask the guests that have been on the show to actually take part in this thing. So in July 16th through the 18th, starting on a Friday night, the 16th, we're going to yep. do a three-day, what we call the Fam Electric Ghost Bedroom Producer Festival. It's not exactly everybody the bedroom producer, but that's what we're calling it. And yep. um, we got like 22 acts right now. You know, they're going to play over three days and it's, it's pretty good. We got a, a wide swath of like, you know, rock bands, DJs, spoken mm -hmm. word artists, all different types. And basically all the different types of people I interview um, are, are represented, uh, you know, female acts, you know, bands, like DJs. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get some actors to do some soliloquies and stuff too. But yeah, that'd it's be just, cool. It's, it's yeah. just a pretty, just a cool thing to let people see the diversity of indie music on the web is what we're trying to do. And you guys are going to take part. Yeah, yeah, we're um, we're, we're very excited for the Friday. I think we're on at 10 p.m. New York time Friday. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which will be Saturday morning for us, which is good. Yep. Um. Yeah, we're really we're excited about that. Posters out so. We have a guy that, uh, that I actually interviewed, which mm. helped me as my assistant. He's putting together the, the poster. We have an initial mm -hmm. poster that tells you what it is. We've thrown it on our Instagram a couple of times, but we're actually yep. putting together like every band that's going to play. We're taking like your like photos that you've given us or your logo. Yep. So if you've right. guys got, got the logo that you want used or you've got photos, send us a photo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll right. send we'll some stuff through. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to use that specifically sounds great. Yeah, we will get it. I'll get it to him. Mm. He's put together that. So, since I have you, I'll remind you. <laughs> yeah, no, that that sounds really fun. We're um, yeah, going to put together a nice set for that one, and and we'll see if we play it or we might just experiment and jam. You never know what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, might do some extended. We'll definitely do some extended versions in in your honor for sure. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm jamming yeah. with the stuff back there. I'm jamming yeah, with that's the <laughs> love it. it sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. I've been play, I've been playing with my cameras. That's that's my main thing right now. I'm trying to get my camera set up to be. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna go and have a look if I can get a similar thing to what you've got. A what was it? The Roland. Roland VR1. Uh, Roland VR1. So it just cycles through a few cameras automatically. Yeah, it does a round robin because. Yeah, so you can have one above your keyboard. Do you, can you plug phones into that, or it has to be cameras? Um. Well, the way it works is it can hmm. take um a an audio line out of mm -hmm. your mixer and bring it into the system. And it's got ability to do like syncing between different cameras. Right. So yeah. like if you've got like the sync issues between different cameras, can you be doing using different companies, like you different, like a Sony camera and an iPhone camera. And a Zoom yeah, camera. that's right. Yeah. And so it's got like a built in like uh, capability to adjust the timing and the syncing yeah. between the sound. And then it allows you to bring in the audio from like, I have an MX1 performance mixer from Roland. So mm -hmm. I can actually take the audio of that and take all my synths and feed them into this. And then that yeah. comes through the PC and it comes in the stream yard and that's how you'll hear me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, that um, sounds like a, a good setup. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely keen to be doing more live streams. Like we'd like to be going, doing a live stream, like even like as a weekly thing. So doing this this concert for you is like a good way of sort of um, getting getting us um, fast forwarding this uh, process a bit. We have done a few live streams for people before, just with single camera sort of thing. But yeah, we want to like look at upping our production game a bit. Cool you know, because you can do with like green screens. Yeah, we're definitely going to be getting into moving, that. You know, moving green. You got the like stationary mm. green screens, then you can have actually green screens that have stuff going on. So yeah. we have actually moving video uh, green screens or blue screens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that all the special effects you can embed into that stuff. And I decided, because yep. I normally go to New York. Yeah. I'll invest my 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 
budget for going to New York and actually invest in the cameras and the equipment because I probably can't mm. do that until 2022. So I'll just take that budget and put it into mm. doing live shows. And it will help because I'm going to do this bedroom festival like more. I'm probably going to do it twice a year. Yeah. Right? May do it again in December. We're definitely going to do it twice in, in 2022. And we're actually working with some partners to maybe potentially do it yep. physically in New York City in 2022. Oh, so, that'd be that'd be huge. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to work with some partners, some indie labels that might help us out. But um, we don't yeah. have names to talk about yet. But yeah, that's something we're looking forward to. That sounds that sounds incredible. Yeah, no, you're doing a great job uh, supporting independent uh, musicians around the world. Uh, I just love how um, we can be so connected through the the internet these days. Um, weird, it is yeah. an exciting time to be a musician, like because there's you know we don't have the gatekeepers necessarily holding us back that we did before. Uh, and we're, you know, can, can be um, independent, truly independent. And we can release, you know, whatever we want to release. Like there's no one telling us, no, you can't do that. And Yeah. And, I'm just trying to build know, a collective, like mm. a podcast collective, right? My goal is, and I've told people before, but before you go, is anybody who's come yeah. on my show, <clears throat> I encourage all artists who've been on my show <clears throat> to actually look at the other people I've interviewed and cross collaborate and actually yeah you know, a lot of artists that have been on this show have actually gone on their own and actually mm. contacted people i've interviewed and then they've gone on to work with them and I yeah oh, that sounds great heartedly because i actually mm. that's the goal i want people from different mm. types of music genres and capabilities to look at you know the story behind each one of these bands and then say yeah. hey maybe i want to work with you guys and you know find a way to, to talk to you and whether or not everybody yeah. wants to do that, but I think it's a, it's a collective idea, and it is in in the indie world. I think it's a good mm. place to do that. Like we take our own energy and we build our own opportunities. That's the point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that, I, think, that's I right. think you're straight on the money there, and you know that's, that's what I say. With me and Simon, we also feel that that with with collaborating with people, with having that openness of just okay, the the song here, we've we've done a song. If if you want to remix it or something like that, or create something new out of it we're always open to it because I think it just creates um, this connection. Yeah. That you have, you, you instantly create a connection and then not only um, are you your own band, but then your, your two musical acts coming together, you know, and then even a third time, you know, you might even end up, you know, coming out um, being remix, remix, remix type thing. And then you've just got yeah. all these artists playing on one, um, you know, um, recording and it just, it's, it, it, um, it broadens the horizons for everyone. Cause it does, cause there's always that six degrees of separation and you are yeah. actually connecting with people mm. and building a strong community and getting yourself out there, you know, six times faster, getting heard and, um, you know, sharing that music that you want to share with and it allows a gateway for other people to share that music with you. And it's, then it's not about your ego. It's not about, oh, this is just me. It's about actually, you know, all these other artists coming on board, you know, having a feature like a here and there. And, like and sort of <laughs> like what happens, what happens with, I think in the, yeah. um, you know, the sort of I've noticed with a lot of, you know, rappers and stuff like that, you know, you have a, a bunch of artists feature on, on one song, you know, that yeah. you haven't even heard of before, but you might like that one artist there and be like, I've never heard of that dude before. I might, you know, want to check what his other stuff is, you know, what his others, you know, what he's yeah. done previous to that. It's and like when it's, up and coming artist, now. It sounds good. Um, that up and coming artist Paul McCartney featured on Kanye West's song yeah, a couple yeah. of years back. All the kids were like, "I don't know who this Paul McCartney is, but he's going to be huge because he just got a feature with Kanye." Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's awesome to um to have that kind of cross collaboration, and, mm. and I think it's just uh you know I feel that the more that you can, um, you know, work with other people that maybe like like a punk band works with a jazz band, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Punk band works with like you know a heavy metal band, you know, just because. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't make sense on paper, but then when you hear it, it can be the, the yeah. best thing ever because it's breaking down the walls between the genres. Yeah. And, and introducing fans of of both of acts to each other and to new things, opening their minds. Yeah. Expanding their horizons. 
Yeah. So definitely, I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to be on on the Bedroom Profess, uh, show from the 16th to 18th of July. We're going to be yep. pushing that. You'll see a tons of stuff on social media. And Excellent. We'll, we'll push it as well. Yeah, definitely push it. So this Obviously, is going to be yeah. on 11, 11 podcast platforms on audio. It's already on Twitch. It's on our YouTube. It's on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we've actually got a couple Facebook channels. We've done two different Facebook channels we got. So we will send you the links that we have mm-hmm. after this so you can push it. And we will be pushing the story on Instagram for the Spotify version. And uh, as always, we, we, we appreciate the fact that you came on the show. And, and, and we, we, we really encourage everybody to go look at the link we have up here. Go to the safety word. Check out their stuff. Download it. Go everywhere they have stuff. Make sure mm-hmm. that you download, you buy it, you go to iTunes and you buy it, you go to Amazon, you buy it, you buy it anywhere you can buy it. Because the one pe- people need to understand mm. that just streaming a song is not good enough for the for musicians, really. If you really love a musician, you need to go and download and like. Don't forget to like. You know, people forget, they get busy. Make sure you like, you download, and you purchase. No, that's yep. what you do. That sounds well said. That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Thank Uh, you so much. Really got to get out of here now. And um, yeah, we we always it's always a pleasure to come on your show and and just have a have a chin wag and um, see what happens. Yeah. Thank you guys. We we'll see you again. I know we're always you're always open to come on the show. You got something new? Let me know, and we'll push it out. Okay. Sounds amazing. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. All right. See you.